Welcome to Bipolar Inquiry, drafting and crafting bipolar consciousness since 2016 by philosophizing, relanguaging, and harvesting mania's special messages, meaning visions, extraordinary experiences, ideas, insights, superpowers, possibilities, synchronicity, and parallel worlds. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information discussed on the show is not medical advice. Now, let's get started with this episode. that I've had for a long time, but I've never really read it, and I don't read that much lately, but this paper's called Memes as Replicators, and I was just struck by something on here. They're talking about memes, and they use memes in terms of there can be parasitic memes, which will kill the host, but there aren't that many of them, really. And I'll probably talk about this bit again because it's very relevant to what I talk about in terms of the phenomena of autism. And it says, parasitic memes can be successful for a time, but not for long. Genes, when they catch on to what's happening, will design brains that reject parasitic memes. And I'm thinking about how children with autism, how their brains are being designed genetically and they're rejecting language, they're rejecting memes. And they do pick up language, but they'll never really pick it up to the same extent because it's gotten to a point where even our supposedly successful memes are actually parasitic and I think we're really deluding ourselves if we think that they're healthy because the memes in general are about personal success and personal gain and seeing that as success and that can no longer be sustained so now brains are being designed to actually reject that it can't the brain actually can't absorb those memes anymore and I think that's the same thing that happens with people that go through map consciousness is that the memes are changing. It's a state of experiencing all these different memes and new memes. And I talked about before in videos a long time ago, how there's like a pruning process that happens in this. And one can experience really terrifying memes, but they can be pruned off. But if we don't manage to prune them, sometimes we can end up harming ourselves or a lot of different things. I feel in map consciousness we go outside the field of the program memes, the ones we are so embedded with and we see there's something else and we feel free. We're just free from our own linear program thought patterns and those are seen as normal but what we see as normal is actually going to destroy the planet. So not only is it an individual thing and phenomena, it's a pressure of the entire Gaia sphere, I feel. And then it says, symbiotic memes which promote behavior adaptive to both themselves and the genes will be doubly successful in the long term for genes will design brains or epigenetic rules to be receptive to or creative of such memes. 
that's really important too. It's saying that the genes can design brains and it can also design epigenetic rules for those means. And I think that's what's happening with map consciousness. That's why we can go into it epigenetically. There's some kind of factor allowing us to go into that epigenetic space. And it might only be temporary in that we don't have the nutrition. I just watched a movie I think it was called Red Lights or something, and it was about disproving telepathy and stuff. It was a pretty good movie. And they mentioned in the movie how we dream 27 times a night, but we have this protective mechanism in our brain that makes us forget. And I feel like that's related to map consciousness and trans consciousness in some way. It's almost like not being able to forget things so easily so they build up. I think it relates to the mechanism of synchronicity somehow and I don't know how but... Because synchronicity in a way is a type of remembering but it's also a type of forgetting. almost like remembering to move towards those things that feel like clues intuitively as opposed to being in the habit of remembering. I talked about how we form habits in a way in order to be able to just go back into that mechanism of remembering. So in a way synchronicity is the opposite of habit. It's almost like a remembering to go towards that which is new. And we are programmed to go towards that which we recognize. And that which we recognize is safe and comfortable, even though it might not be necessarily good for us. Such as something like an abusive relationship. If that's all we know, that's all we can really make salient. That's all we can move towards. And in a way with map consciousness, it breaks that moving towards the same thing all the time. And instead of moving towards a very limited range of similar things, we're, we're opened up to that huge range of different things. And if we're open up to that range of different things, then we could find that which we would naturally synchronize with versus actually being programmed look for. And I was looking at this memes as replicators paper again and it'll probably take me a little while to get through it. But there's a part here it says in most but perhaps not all cases there is strong Darwinian selection against allowing oneself to be manipulated. Unpredictable even random behavior is often an advantage for an organism and I think this relates to what I was talking about in a previous video about how I feel like mania and psychosis are protective in a way 
because no matter how amazing some kind of philosophy or ideology or doctrine seems to be, there'll always be a certain number of people going mad as it is and not really buying into whatever it is that one is attempting to be programmed into. And even consensus reality is a programming, it's a manipulation. And so I feel like a certain number of us on a grander scale in terms of Gaia are going to resist that manipulation even if it is the best possible thing at the moment because we can't necessarily be programmed into the same thing. Evolution goes towards maximizing complexity and that would go for consciousness and humanity as well in terms of memes. So map consciousness in a way is increasing the complexity of possible memes. It might actually be a mechanism for accelerating memes that I already talked about it in terms of epimimetics and endomimetics and where do those memes come from? Because this paper sort of talks about how it's a very slow process. It's faster than genetics. Mimetics are faster than genetics, but it's still quite slow because we're just sort of recombining memes and and I think that in map consciousness there's a huge source of new memes and I've talked about before how too it's not necessarily like they're all great or they're all right or they're all correct or useful and this paper talks about how there's a selection for memes as well and and in the process of map consciousness we select for memes that sometimes get us killed or sometimes make us end our lives or make us end up in the psych ward and it seems like there's a certain theme of memes a lot of us that get pathologized have a certain array of memes or beliefs that are typical of supposed pathology but since it's so consistent in a way maybe there's something there and those things are actually somewhat maybe those are the memes that are wanting to be selected for for us to actually believe like for example that there are special messages maybe it's not super helpful to think the messages are coming from the TV but just being tuned into messages other than ego programs could be somewhat helpful. And also if we think of ourselves that we're some kind of hero or grandiose thing, maybe that meme of us actually taking responsibility for helping the world along with altruism is something that it's a meme that's trying to be selected for. There seems to be a theme of these certain meme streams that are trying to be selected for. And then those are the ones that get people actually pathologized. You know, say there's 10 themes of the memes that are symptoms. 
Well, if they're seen as symptoms, they're going to be pathologized and medicated, and then people will be dulled out and suppressed and numbed out. But if they're seen as possibilities, as potentials, they could actually be dialogued with to bring them into proper context. So, for example, maybe in a super hyper-perceptive state, it seems like messages are coming from the TV but that can be toned down into just being more intuitive and more of an empath and more of a highly sensitive person in terms of the, those traits that highly sensitive people have. And it could also be that some of these meme streams that we have on hyper alert when we go through map consciousness are some of the ones that would naturally develop as a highly sensitive person if those were never programmed over by ego circuits, which is a very limited circuit, sort of dopamine, pleasure, pain, good, bad, programmed morality of society. These other lines, these other so-called symptoms are almost like these are trying to be developed as more circuits of information and sensation and possibilities. So I thought that was a big clue here to say that there's a strong Darwinian selection against allowing oneself to be manipulated. And that's one of the things we do dislike the most is being manipulated. And I think much of the societal programming is manipulation, but it's sold to us as this is how it is. And we go along that path until we snap in a into map consciousness and then are pathologized when we've been manipulated away from our natural way of being and they talk in the paper about how their meme theory might predict its own success because it's memes about memes so to create a theory of memes with memes is going to make it seem successful and I sort of extrapolate that too if I create the highest theory and philosophizing and memes and context, etc., 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 about map consciousness, about mania and psychosis, that would allow my consciousness to level up when it comes to that. And then it says, There's a blurb about how our brains were constructed by genes with the single-minded purpose of perpetuating themselves and that these brains are infested with memes with the single-minded purpose of perpetuating themselves. And I was thinking to myself, I think this relates to, but it doesn't say here, that memes actually write genes. So they're saying how there's memes that actually help perpetuate genes and genes that help perpetuate memes. But I also think that memes write genes. So memes are kind of the environment. They're the environment in which we're bathing our brain and that's going to change our genetic expression epigenetically as well as probably writing over genes and writing new genes in our brains with the memes. Just like they say, well, stress 
stress creates epigenetic changes. Well, a lot of stress is actually just words. It's talk, it's worrying about things and being concerned about things, and those are actually words. So that is causing the stress, and then that changes genetic expression as well as the actual genetic code. And I was thinking too that I'm a source of memes, and if memes change genes, that's a way to actually change genetic expression in others, or even pass along genes. And even with gestures and behaviors, that can help pass along genes as well. So genetic reproduction, as in having children, is one way, but just speaking memes is another way. And in that way, we can be contagious. I like their definition of what they call a difficult meme. A difficult meme is something that's difficult to teach or learn or difficult to communicate. And they tend to die with the brain containing them. And, and many memes and animals are difficult because of lack of language. I'm trying to create some language and make some of these difficult memes easier to see. They say, where do memes come from? They arise by combination of parts of some old memes in new ways with perhaps just a jot of originality, mutation. And I think that a lot of the memes that come through me are quite original, at least for me, but there could be similar things out there. And they say stressful situation seems to promote mutations in genes and memes. But the stress must be on the genes, not just the organism. Thinking in terms of map consciousness and how that must stress the genome to mutate towards that. Maybe we haven't produced the mutations to sustain those new lines of supposed symptoms, which could be gifts misunderstood. And it says there's a strong selection pressure on genes to produce brains that accept or create symbiotic memes and reject bad or parasitic memes. I think that there's been this artificial selection pressure created towards dopamine and personal pleasure. It's almost like dopamine. And I feel like map consciousness is outside the field of program memes. And it's in a field of selecting new memes. It's like a freedom from all those old memes and now one is selecting new memes. And I think that's very important for the evolution of consciousness and our understanding of what it means to be human. And it says, symbiotic memes which promote behavior adaptive for both themselves and the genes will be doubly successful in the long term. For genes will design brains or epigenetic rules to be receptive 
or creative of such memes. So somehow it seems that these difficult memes of map consciousness, they're difficult to learn and understand and communicate even within oneself need to become symbiotic memes. There is a selection pressure on genes to alter the meme's environment so as to push difficult memes upward into the symbiotic category so they can be shared among relatives. And so people have these map consciousness experiences and have all these memes and they try to share them. But since other people haven't experienced that and seen things that way, they don't understand and they pathologize that. It's sort of like a person going to California and coming back and telling their doctor about California and all of how it looked like. And then the doctor says, well, there's no such thing as California, but the doctor has a picture of California and since you're describing what the doctor sees in the picture of California, aka a textbook, they're saying, well, you are hallucinating because you're seeing this picture described in this textbook. But the doctor's never been there themselves. So it doesn't make any sense. It's like new neural pathways trying to be created, but then they get pathologized and it's all congruent with literature it's like the same thing my voice is a little off today I'm in a different place right now my If I didn't label it bad, it wouldn't be a bad place at all. It's not the same as being super productive and able to work. I feel more hypersensitive to noise. I feel like I don't want to live in this location anymore that's so noisy. I came across the word genotoxins in this epigenetics guide and I feel like words are genotoxins in a way because they can change our genetic expression and I think map consciousness is a different perceptual nutrient there's memes that are meaningful and those are sort of a nutrient. Those memes that are meaningful have epigenetic effects, so in a way they are a nutrient and they change the way that we metabolize and utilize nutrients. And we need to assimilate those nutrients, those meme nutrients. And a lot of the memes and mania are quite 
euphoric and healing and it comes often at a time when we desperately need that. And Dr. David Bohm wrote a paper on soma significance and I haven't really thought too much about it but it reminds me of sort of perception and DNA in that DNA is somatic, it's physical and then perception is sort of meaningful and so that meaning can be transformed into matter and matter can be transformed back into meaning in that perception DNA interaction in that epigenetic exchange and epimimetic exchange as well and I was thinking too they were talking about in magic tricks how much of it is just diverting our attention and I was thinking about how the world and how we're programmed with thought diverts our attention away from how magic the world is and when we decouple from that we see wow the world is so magical and then we need to be pathologized and medicated in order to no longer believe that the world is a beautiful magical place so the ways that we've been programmed is actually a magic trick to get us diverted away from magic so it's actually our programming is tricking us away from the magic I remember what I wanted to do originally with these videos is make videos for a year and then as they start to come up on the one year mark make a second video about the video like watch the video a year later and make a video about that video or I could also make a video about that video make a video about that video and also talk about life one year later and build on that context I think my first videos were in June of this year so June 2016 so once I get to June 2017 then I can start doing the parallel video Thank you for listening to Bipolar Inquiry. If you're enjoying the show, please feel free to rate, subscribe, and leave a review wherever you listen to your podcasts. Remember, use your voice, craft your consciousness, embody your potential, enter a quantum paradigm. The Bipolar Inquiry podcast is not meant to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information in this show is not medical advice. Thanks again for listening, and we'll catch you in the next episode.